welcome back to One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Marbrecht, as always, coming to you each and every week, talking all things New York football giants. And as we look ahead to Monday night's matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, getting together here on a, on a Sunday morn in the winter of December, did you, did you glean anything from that Thursday night game there with the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Bears, Andy? If, if this was not just an audio podcast, I would love to show a picture of a dumpster pouring gasoline in it and lighting it on fire. That's a dumpster fire, right? Yes, that would be oh, a dumpster okay. fire, Adam. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it felt to me. Uh, it's certainly interesting to watch uh, the Chicago Bears try to right their shit uh, as they head down the stretch of their season. But listen, we are, at the very least, NFC East-focused and then also, of course, all things New York football giants. So let's dive right in here. Coming into this Sunday, we, we get the official word, I think it was yesterday, that it became official that Eli Manning is now back as the starting quarterback for the Giants on this Monday night matchup. You had a more interesting take than just about Eli Manning starting. What are your thoughts about the Daniel Jones ankle injury that will keep him out this week? Yeah, the, uh, we can, we're going to wax on a little bit about Eli Manning and what he means to the organization and uh, the idea of him starting uh, down the stretch here, but... This just rings to me incompetence within the coaching and medical team and everyone surrounding the players at this point. The fact that in a snow-filled game against a team that is looking to get wins to, to get a first-round bye in the playoffs, in the snow, down multiple scores, Daniel Jones suffers a high ankle sprain and an injury and gets checked out in the tent for a while. And rather than play it safe, knowing that, you know, Daniel Jones is your franchise quarterback of the future for the next five to 10 years. They inexplicably put Daniel Jones back in the game to go throw the ball around and get beat up a little bit more in a meaningless game that no one needed. And the, the gross negligence that's involved in this, it, it shows through when they rule out Daniel Jones. And you already heard whispers earlier in this week that Eli Manning could start. If this is a multi-week injury, you know, someone's head has to roll for even thinking about putting your franchise quarterback back in with an ankle injury that could be two, three weeks, a month, the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I want to battle, you know, want to have a contentious conversation around this. But when you have a franchise quarterback and he tweaks, if he tweaks something, there's no reason not to have him, you know, have him take a look at. It. We've seen uh, Daniel Jones certainly come back into some games earlier in the season here after taking some hard hits and not even going to the tent at all, but just you know rough hits, getting getting a couple of blows, coming off the field after a fourth down. Next series, see him right back out there. So certainly showing off that toughness. And as with most NFL players, I'm sure he said, "I'm good to go back in." But at some point, Pat Shermer needs to be protecting the franchise quarterback. At some point, the organization needs to be protecting this franchise quarterback and there there's certainly it's one more check on the column of this is time for regime change <laughs> as far as the New York football giants are concerned I I really can't see how they have managed to get this far down the road and not have more people even though the contingency is growing calling for Pat Shermer and even Dave Gettleman because I know you can say it's in-game strategy or in-game decisions to get made here but you haven't heard a, a whisper from Gettleman around this team and you would think that maybe he would be in Pat Shermer's ear around some of these choices that he's made yeah and and the, the thing of it is it's not like the Giants are in the playoff hunt you know Daniel Jones is, is begging to get back in the game he gives us the best chance to win it's a critical game that we need to win in order to go to the playoffs you know we're two we're two and nine we're two and ten you know what are we what are we hoping to accomplish by throwing in our rookie QB who's injured back into a, a game 
where everyone's slipping and sliding all over the field. So to me, it just, it just didn't make sense across the board. And I, some people may say hindsight's twenty twenty, but if his ankle injury is this severe, I, I just can't believe that they actually put him back in against the Packers. Yeah, because you have to assume in the tent when they're taking a look at him, they know at least the potential of the severity of it. So there's, there's still the active choice of, uh, you know, like you said, well, this could be a pretty bad high ankle sprain. He may end up in a walking boot, and then you're still going to have him back in the game. And to your point, you know, this is a team that isn't playing for anything. If this was the other way around and you're maybe in the playoff picture, I'd still you could still question it. But I would almost understand if Daniel Jones was fighting to get back in the game because you're going down the stretch of a season, you need the wins, you want to be out there with with your team it wouldn't make it great to find out that he was injured and going to miss time but if he went back out there and led the Giants to a victory you could maybe justify it in some way or shape or form uh, that being said we go quickly around and noting that uh Jarrell Peppers was also immediately uh put onto IR a couple days ago so his season is officially over we kind of suspected that when he went out with the injury a couple weeks ago but now that uh now that does become official, so he won't be playing the rest of the season. Chance for him to get healthy and look towards next year. Evan Ingram came out saying that he was optimistic he was going to be able to play this week. He, in fact, will not be playing, so he is also out. And now we turn over to Eli Manning getting a start here for the New York football Giants. Probably a surprise, to say, to say the least, to see himself back on the field. Gets to go up against a division rival on Monday night. What are your, what are your thoughts on seeing your, your once franchise quarterback back under center? But before you do give me that response, Andy, we have to let everybody know that Vivid Seats, who has been our sponsor for a long run here on the podcast, once again wants the people to know that you can get over there and download that app and automatically be enrolled into their loyalty rewards program. You know that's going to get you credits back on each and every purchase that you make there on the app, which means if you want to head down to Philly and take in the New York Football Giants matchup on Monday night, why not go over to the Vivid Seats app? They can use that little camera view where you get to swivel around and see the entire stadium from your perspective in that row and that perfect seat that you want to get into you know exactly where you'll be as you depressingly watch the New York football giants lose yet again and the beauty of the Vivid Seats app is that you get that lovely 100% buyer back guarantee as I have been saying there is no guarantee that I will fit into my pants after the holiday season but Vivid Seats gives you that 100% buyer guarantee and you gotta love it And when you do go to make that purchase on the Vivid Seats app, you can go ahead and use promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive up to $100 off on your purchase. That is correct. The melodious nature of my voice, listening to the One Giant Podcast and hearing me tell you, punching in the code O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, that spells OVERTIME, at checkout, will get you up to $100 off on your purchase. And so... And there can only, if, you, if you're a true Giant fan, it feels like you can only have good feelings about this. You know, if, if Daniel Jones suffered a catastrophic injury, it would be horrible and, it's, and you could have some mixed emotions about it. You know, a high ankle sprain doesn't seem to be uh, something that's going to linger certainly into next season. Um, but it does open the door. And this is one of the only ways that I think we were going to see everyone, you know, everyone was talking about a potential send off in the week 17 home game against the Eagles, but instead it comes uh, in week 14 on the road, Monday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm very excited to see Eli in this game um, just because of all the nostalgia that that brings up. Um, You know, let's not forget that in the first two games of the season, we looked very mediocre on the offensive side of the ball and couldn't move it down the field. So 
I don't necessarily think that this is going to give the team a quote unquote spark and, and really lead to anything significant, but it just makes me feel good to be able to see number 10 back out there. Yeah, for sure. And I've gone inside the numbers as far as where, not just the rating, but the QBR for Eli Manning was not good those first couple of weeks that he played, uh, you know, just to get a sense of, of where he was at. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not even an indictment on him. It's just an indictment on this offense because the QBR for uh, Daniel Jones has not been the strongest since he took over either. And we've obviously highlighted the issues that the team has faced. It, it does feel weird, man. I, I, I thought about it as it started to look like it was trending in that direction of Manning starting again this week. It really just does feel kind of that nostalgia, like you said, of, this is the quarterback that I grew up with basically as a New York football Giants fan. And it felt weird when he was, you know, when he was benched, you kind of saw that coming. You knew that the writing was on the wall, but that still kind of stung early in the season. And now all of a sudden it feels like, Oh, I, I get to see the guy that won two championships for us. Just go back out there and play football. I, you know, I would love to see him. I would love to, I really would love to see him play well. I don't know. And we, we, we talked about this before when it comes to the draft picks and what it means. I don't see the Giants winning this game, but you know, but by any stretch, but I don't know, you know, would you sacrifice a win or two down the stretch of the season and hurt your draft status? If it was Eli Manning starting for the Giants and, and maybe just giving you a couple of those old memories again. So that's been kind of one of the hot debates on social media is, is some people are saying, you know, as a giant fan, I don't care about the picks for one game. It's, you know, like that for one night with your ex. I just want <laughs> right. to feel good, right? Um, but to me, actually, actually, as much as I love the nostalgia, I want Eli to play relatively well and, and the Giants still to lose. And to, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually okay if he doesn't perform very well and the Giants, you know, get blown out. Because mm-hmm. I, we have had such short-term goals, and Gettleman has talked about rebuilding on the fly and and we've been in this middle ground for so long that I'm really just hoping that we we you know tear this whole thing down I mean could you imagine if Eli goes back and wins four straight games at the end of the year (laughs) and looks great and we get a number nine or ten pick and they're trying to figure out like what are they supposed to do with Eli certainly you'd think that they'd move on but I mean you could see Gettleman going well you know this is kind of the Eli that we thought we were getting at the beginning of the year Right. We're going to fire Pat Shermer. We're going to bring in a veteran head coach who likes veteran quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're, we're really going against, you know, exactly what we've hoped that, that, that they would do. So I, I don't know. How do you feel about it, Adam? No, I, again, I, I don't see it playing out that way. I, I, I think that, you know, you go around, you go around the league and the, the people that are in the know about these things, it's not that Eli Manning is necessarily completely washed, but obviously he's lost, you know, lost a step and bottom line being this team, you got to think too, it's not that the offensive line has improved over the course of the year and it's looked better than, you know, we anticipated. And, you know, that's why Daniel Jones has shown some flashes. It's really Daniel Jones has so, shown some flashes because he has some mobility. Uh, you know, he's, you know, the, the youth of his legs, able to get outside that pocket, look downfield, looking to go downfield more than Eli Manning certainly has in the last few years. So, you know, that's what you've seen over the course of, of the, of this now three quarters of the season. You know, Eli Manning is still who he is. I, I think that, you know, Maybe just watching him make a couple of, of nice plays that reminds you of, of days of old will be fun and will feel nostalgic in that sense. Um, but I don't anticipate him coming out and lighting the world on fire here. And even if you were to start the rest of the season, I think the best, th- the best that you're going to find is that Eli Manning is, 
you know, a middle of the road to slightly below average quarterback at this stage of his career. And it'll just be affirmation of all the holes that this team has and all the things we've been talking about. You know, nothing's going to, the needle's not going to move here because, uh, you know, because Eli Manning came back under center. So it is unfortunate. And then that side of it is unfortunate, right? Because now it feels, it feels weird because this almost does feel like an extension of the debacle with, with his benching under McAdoo, the offseason, and then the organization trying, thinking that they're still going to go for it. They don't make any necessarily the right moves around the offensive line the last couple of years. Then he does get benched after just two weeks, even though you come into the season being named the starter and getting the, you know an opportunity, they said. <laughs> and then after two weeks, you get benched. And now, due to injury, all right, well, Eli, get back out there, buddy. It's your opportunity. You know, so it just, it just feels like a very – and this happens to NFL quarterbacks. I mean, just to go broad stroke on this, this happens to a lot of veteran NFL quarterbacks, right? Like, you know, Brett Favre had to leave Green Bay. You know, I mean, even going back, Joe Montana had to move on from the 49ers when Steve Young was ready to take over. Like, this is what happens around the NFL. So I also think there's an element of it, too, where I don't want to get too over-emotional around the Eli piece because this is just the way it goes in the NFL, I guess, unless you're, you know, unless you're Tom Brady. This is what happens to quarterbacks as you get to 35, 36, 37 years old. At some point, the organization's ready to move on, and whether or not it's done clumsily, that is still the fact of it, right? Well, the other noteworthy thing, yeah, and I completely agree with you. There, you know, timeless uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks have had to move to, to different cities because, you know, some people have the desire to play football regardless if their if their skill regresses to a below average or or what it once was. And mm-hmm. you know, the organization looks at it in a vacuum and, and has to be less emotional and think what's going to give us the best chance to win. So I, I completely can appreciate that. I think one, one more note on Eli before we transition to the, to the game is more around his record. I think Eli Manning is 116 and 116 as a starter. He is exactly 500. And what I find, uh, it, it kind of sums up Eli Manning in, in a nutshell, where he won two Super Bowls in dramatic fashion. He made two of the most incredible plays or throws that you've ever seen in a Super Bowl. He had the knack for any time that there was a difficult situation, whether it was double-digit underdogs to the Patriots in the Super Bowl or going to Lambeau Field in negative 10-degree weather and winning games. Like it, it was just confounding because then there were so many you know, seasons where he was 5-11 and 11 or 6-10. and 10. It just felt like it was Jekyll and Hyde and we had flashes of brilliance and and that that's kind of noteworthy considering Eli is going to be up for the Hall of Fame and no quarterback has ever gone into the Hall of Fame with a losing record so I do find it interesting that he's right at that 500 cusp and you know with four games to go in the season well you know and we brought this up before you're talking about that piece when it comes to the Hall of Fame for him early in the year when you know when he was benched um the only thing I will say though is you know, no, no quarterback under 500 has made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But are, how many quarterbacks are there that have won two Super Bowls that are under 500, right? I mean, so because it probably goes hand in hand that if you're a below 500 quarterback, you weren't playing, you know, you're probably significantly below 500, I would say, or you weren't somebody who rose up and had good seasons. So I'd be curious to look at that. And we can come back in, you know, maybe on our next episode, and I'll try to you know dig up those numbers on it, because I don't think you're going to find a lot of guys that were in or, you know, in or around 500, and then also winning Super Bowl championships. And I was having a I was out at a holiday party last night, actually, ugly sweater party that I went to, and having a, a football conversation with a handful of people. And we were talking about a little bit about, uh, you know, Dak Prescott. The, you know, does he deserve that contract next year? The, the, the offseason, which he should get paid, that gets us on to Tony Romo. And I started to say, you know, Tony Romo, 
you know, really solid quarterback. I mean, you can make an argument that on paper, you know, a better, better athlete than Eli Manning was, maybe even a better in-season quarterback. But at the end of games and that, you know, when it came to playoff time and those clutch moments, Tony Romo lacked the ability to make the big play that got the team over the hump or won them that key game. And Eli Manning always had that ability. Now, to me, I've always looked at his career as it being a failure on the part of the organization to not give him more opportunities to have those clutch moments because you go back into it, we've missed the playoffs, obviously, in the last, was it six out of the last seven years, if I'm not mistaken? So, you know, you're talking about a guy who showed you that if you get me into the dance, I'm going to party and you're going to love, you know, you're going to, and you're going to love my moves. And all the giants organization did was be like, yeah, what we were also thinking was though, maybe you just wait in the parking lot for like six years until we play some of the old hits. And then you can come in and have, you know, you can do your slow move. You can do your slow moves on the floor in the spotlight by yourself. You know? So I really look at it that way. I think the reason why, as far as hall of fame considerations go, Eli Manning should be going in. Like I, I, I don't see it as being any doubt given his, his Super Bowl resume. And then I think you also back it up with the fact that if you had plugged him in on a lot of other teams around this league for his career, he would have had more playoff runs and I could make an argument. He would have had an opportunity for probably another championship somewhere else. You just haven't seen the giants do that for him and feel free to compliment me on my analogy there. Cause I heard you, I heard you chuckling underneath. I thought I really, I really rounded that out. Yeah. I, I didn't know where you were going at first, but I, I, you started having me visualize Eli Manning dancing and that really kind of gave me a little bit of a chuckle because I don't know if you've seen some of his commercials, but his dance. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do think it's a, a kind of a catch 22 cause you, you do say that, but then you look at someone like Philip rivers who same draft class as Eli Manning statistically uh, has more yards than Eli Manning. I believe he has more touchdown passes. You know, uh -huh. when you just look at the pure stats, even, even his win loss record, I, I believe is better than Eli's yet. He could never get to, I don't even think he ever made the AFC championship game. Um, so it is, it is interesting to think about, you know, similarly to Tony Romo, what defines a hall of fame quarterback? Is it just sustained regular season success and stats, or is it coming up in the biggest moments when your team needs you? And it's, it's, it's that interesting conundrum, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, and we're, we're going to move into this, uh, into this, uh, Philadelphia Eagle matchup. Um, but I know, and Phil Rivers is one of those guys, right? And I actually, I was the same thing we were talking about last night, where now at the back end of his career, I, I, I almost feel bad for Philip Rivers because he's always been a pretty good statistical quarterback. Like you said, has better stat lines than Eli Manning. And now at the back end of his career, where you can see him struggling, um, he always has always had a bit of a weird uh, throwing motion, but now almost feels like he's laboring to get that ball down the field at times. And then you, you kind of say, man, you, you just wish that this guy could get a chance. And, and he's suffered at the hands of, I think, inconsistency more than anything from a team overall because they've had what felt like on paper some good teams and then it feels like these last what you know four or five years they did a great job of getting off to just god-awful starts and trying to surge on the back half so I mean listen you are even even though we talk about uh, you know the NFL quarterback as being he's the guy that gets the win and the loss right they don't prescribe these to defensive players or wide receivers and yet you also know that you are at the mercy of your team and, and what all the players around you do and what the collective results are I mean how many games would you think back to Peyton Manning's career even in those big winning seasons especially in the playoffs right how many did they lose because the defense couldn't pull it out for them and that then you go to Peyton Manning wins one late with uh, the Denver Broncos, but you're talking about a guy who had one Super Bowl up to that point, had a defense carry him in that last championship. But before that, you would have said, this is a guy that should have won three or four Super Bowls by that point. But the components around him weren't strong enough. And, and that's why he only had one until the very last, 
you know, opportunity in his career to pull one out and, and, and tie his brother in that scenario. So it's, it's fun, man. And I think maybe we, we can get into some more of this kind of stuff as we move down the stretch of the season. Oh, you got, yeah. You yeah I was, all I was going to say, Adam, was you just touched on a little bit when you're talking about the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. You said wildly inconsistent. And I just thought that was an absolutely brilliant transition. So as we do look forward to Monday Night Football in a matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, who currently sit in second in the NFC East or what everyone else is calling the NFC Least. Uh, one game behind the six and seven Cowboys. Philadelphia in all statistical categories is the definition of a mediocre team. They're 18th in passing yards, 13th in rushing yards, 16th in points for and points against. They're right in the middle of the road as well. So they are just such an average team and they're five and seven and yet they're in the playoff hunt, Adam. Yeah, this has been that that loss on Thursday night by the, uh, the you know the Dallas Cowboys to the Chicago Bears. Certainly, you go well. It opens it back up, right? The Eagles at five and seven still have, and they already, they still had a chance even going into that game. But it also confirmed the NFC least in terms of the talent. And I, well, you and I talked about this a little bit off off podcast as well. Just the the, the disaster that this division has been almost further frustrates in terms of where the Giants currently are because it's very much as a division that eight and eight, nay, seven and nine, could, you know, could take down the, the division uh, title for you. So you wish the Giants could be more competitive in it. And in this game, we talk about the Eagles, like you said, being middle of the road in so many t- statistical categories. And yet they are, now they are at home in this certainly, but they are also a nine and a half point favorite taking on the New York football Giants. So a middle of the road team that has been muddling through and has certainly had struggles on offense, right? It doesn't seem... Uh, like Carson Wentz has necessarily had the same kind of season that people anticipated from him. But this is a team that has had that many issues and is almost a 10-point favorite against our New York football giants. Yeah, and, and a couple side notes about the uh, NFC East this year. There's been some hot debates going on about if this is the worst division in the history of football. And wow, I kind of really? scoffed at that and I said, come on, like let, let's, let's not speak in hyperbole too far. And when you actually break it down, you think about it, the New York Giants have two wins and they're starting a rookie QB and they're really not trying to, trying to win any games. Washington, while looking competitive against the Panthers last week, has three wins, starting a rookie QB, not really winning very many games. You look at Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys do not have a win against a winning team this year. And that was look, the big one, man. Right. Well, and how about this one for you? I'm going to hit you with one more stat. All right. The NFC East against all other opponents – has a win percentage of 20%. So one out of every five games against the rest of the divisions, they are winning, which is one of the worst, if not the worst of all time. So when you add all those things up where Washington and New York are trying really not to win too many games and Dallas and Philly are showing an act of futility, uh, you can see why it, it, you know, you know, the, the year that comes to mind is the 2020, 2010 NFC West, where I believe uh, that was the, beast mode earthquake playoff game but people forget that the rams played the seahawks to see if anyone could get to eight and eight in that season so um it has been done before teams have won playoff games i wouldn't be surprised if if whichever nfc east team gets into the dance wins a playoff a home playoff game uh but yeah i mean this is this is coming down to something almost historic now 
Yeah, I would have, you know, I'd probably, we'd probably have to go pre even our lifetime to get into like that, the 0 16 Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, a couple of their runs. I feel like there, there has to be some bad years there. And even at, well, I guess, you know, you can go two ways with it, right? You can do the eye test about what you've seen from these teams on a week to week basis, or you, when you look at just the record, six and seven, five and seven, three and nine, two and 10, um, you know, it doesn't strike you as being the worst kind of scenario you've seen. But your, your point about the, the teams playing outside of this division is huge. And that's why when you talked about the Dallas Cowboys, certainly leading this division right now, but remember they've beaten the Giants twice and they've already beaten the uh, Washington Redskins once to this point. So, and I don't know if they, they have one more, did they beat the Philadelphia Eagles earlier? They, they already have beaten the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Okay. So, so but they're, you know, they're a three and seven team. Uh, and then you, and then there's the Philly game, which would make them two and seven if you took that one just off the table, right? So you know, <laughs> that's the the team leading the division is even with the leaving the Eagles went in there is a three and seven team when it comes to playing against you know anyone else in the NFL of NFL level talent. So I think if the you know if no one in this division played each other, if we only played outside the NFC East, then I think it'd be interesting to see where the, where, where the, these teams ranked because you'd be talking about you know winless Giants. Uh, probably one win or winless Redskins. And then you're talking about the battle for the division would be based on a, you know, three, a three win or four win team could take this division down. Certainly. So yeah, you might be right, man. I'll have to dive on some of those numbers. That would certainly be embarrassing. The only thing I guess optimistically would be, uh, you know, going forward that maybe it means that the giants have a chance next year after an off season and a draft to really be in the mix. Yeah. I mean, if, if the winner is going to hopefully limp into eight and eight, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. And uh, there was a few years in a row where the NFC East never had the same repeat champion for, I don't know, most of uh, the early 2000s into 2015 or 16, I think. Yeah. So it can turn around and it can turn around pretty quickly in the NFC East. You know, in terms of this game on Monday night against the Eagles, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about how Philly's middle of the road, but they're still hungry and desperate for a win. The Giants are now starting their backup quarterback, Eli Manning, on the road after being benched almost 10 games ago. I mean, what what are you expecting to see in this game or in this matchup? I'm expecting the, I'm expecting the Philly the, for Philly to really destroy us. If I'm being totally honest, because y- y- they get the they get the the coup of watching the Dallas Cowboys lose. So it means with a win, they're they're right back in the division battle and the division race. They're at home. We're, you know, we're on the road. We're playing our veteran franchise backup quarterback. Uh, you know, we have injuries, uh, certainly, with Evan Ingram out. That's not maybe the biggest thing in the world, but I think Peppers is, is, a, is a number there, too. Um, you know, it's interesting because on the defensive side of the ball for us, I think that Sam Beal has shown us a little something these last couple of weeks, which is exciting from a long-term perspective. I think Julian Love is showing some things there on the back end of this defense as well. So there are some pieces, all this to say, that there are some, you know, hard to define components now for the Giants that could rise up and make some plays for you. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are not that talented of a team. Our offensive line, as we, as we highlighted over these last couple of weeks, Soldier, Hernandez, and Jalapio are all trending in the wrong direction in terms of their pro football focus rating. So they are not getting better over the course of this year. They're getting worse. And I just think that it really is that opportunity for a team like Philadelphia to, quote, as they say, get right, get a big win, get themselves up to that six and seven mark, and then start to look down the stretch of their season when they have a big matchup with uh, Dallas later, later on. And, you know, they're trying to win it. They're trying to win a division, trying to go to the playoffs. So I just think that they have a lot to play for here. And I don't, I don't know what to expect from Eli, but I do expect it to be more of the same from this team overall, especially on offense, right? 
struggle to move it, maybe have a couple of decent drives, and then all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter, you've only scored 13 points, and you can't figure out what went wrong. But, but Adam, wouldn't it be so 2019 NFC East for the Giants to upset a mediocre Philadelphia Eagles team? Like, wouldn't that, yeah. wouldn't that just be part, like in line and on brand for the NFC East this year? Well, I'll put it, you know, yeah, yes. Nothing would be more on, on fleek, as the kids say, I think, if I have that right. Uh, you know, nothing would be more apt for this division than if Eli Manning came out, and I will say, did this, right? Didn't fumble the ball, as Daniel Jones has struggled with, and we know Eli's had some of those issues of his own, or certainly early in his career, and it always was a theme throughout. And if Eli Manning doesn't throw interceptions, you know, if it, this is what we said about Daniel Jones too, right? And I think it's basically the same. A rookie Daniel Jones is the same as a veteran Eli Manning. If you don't turn the ball over, you give yourself and this team a chance to maybe win a game, to be able to control time of possession and be in inside of this thing as you head to the third and fourth quarters. But every week, what have we said with Daniel Jones? Well, if he hadn't had that fumble or right. if he hadn't thrown that interception, we'd be in this thing. But he did, and that's why we are where we are. So, and I think the same thing for Eli Manning. At some point, I think he's going to try to make a play down the field because that's what you, you expect someone to do is getting this chance now like he is. Um, and I think you will see a, a turnover or two here in this one, and it, and it will lead to Philadelphia coming out on top. Adam, I think we should go into our predictions yep. because, uh, you know what, I, uh, I understand what you're saying, but what boggles my mind is how a mediocre team like the Philadelphia Eagles can basically be a 10-point favorite against anyone. They just yep. lost to the Dolphins, who, kudos to them, they are playing hard under Brian, Brian Flores. We've talked about this before when we talked about coaching changes. Oh, they're but, a much better team than we are. Oh, I, 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 I know they play harder. I don't know if they have an, as. Oh no, no, it's about talent. But yeah, they're a better team because they play better football than we do. Yeah, they, I, yeah, on the field they play better football than New York Football Giants do. And, and yeah, that that sounds like the name of the game too, right? Play better football than the <laughs> other team, isn't it? Did that they get that memo? Has anyone sent that over to them? <laughs> oh, guys, you just got to play better, man. Ooh, yeah, dude. yeah. Adam, did you happen to send that to Pat Shermer on social media recently? I, I do. I always at him, you know, I'm adding Pat Shermer all the time. I'm not getting a lot of responses. So I, I'm, I'm probably going the wrong way about it. I may have to go banner over the stadium and then so it's, it's nothing aggressive. I'm just going to be banner over the stadium and says, Pat, call me, you know, <laughs> he gets it. He'll, he'll, know, yeah. he'll know the number. So, so I, I just think, you know, basically two scores in a game like this division game where I don't know, pe people have this vision of, of while I know the giants aren't very good, that Philadelphia is that team that won the Super Bowl and, you know, that was two years ago, and that was with a completely different team. And they've had um, the wide receiver with injuries and stuff, certainly. Oh, and, and the wide receivers that they do have out there don't remember how to catch footballs. And yeah. I don't know if that's part of the job qualifications, if you have to put a resume in and be able to say, I, I play wide receiver, my strong set is to run routes and catch footballs. I'm not sure if that shows up, but you know, people like Nelson Aguilar really haven't really gotten that message yet. So right. they are just a team that is in shambles and much like the crippling loss to the Cowboys uh, against the bears, you know, the Cowboys still look at it and say they can win the division and they play Philly one more time and then they play Washington. And if they win that both of those games, they're basically in the playoffs, but I don't know. I think, you know, if we're going to go prediction time on this yeah. one, I think this game is going to be closer than other people think. I initially, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago, thought this was going to be a 20-point win by Philadelphia. With all the different changes and the bigger sample size that I see from the Eagles, I just don't think that they're a very good football team either. 
So it's going to be. There's a man uh, out on a ledge right now. Uh, you know, I I was go very. Go for it, buddy. Go was, for it. I tied you up in the I tied you up in the season series. I, I know, and and uh, it would be it would be. Uh, be a man. Kamikaze You're a father now. Come on, be, be a man. Kamikaze style to go in and and take a ten point underdog on the road on Monday night. But alas, I cannot do it. Ah. What, I, what, I, what I see is it being a little bit of a closer game. I think. Um, you know, Eli, Dave, the Eagles might, Eagles had prepared for Eli Manning quite a few times before, but I'm sure they thought going into this game was going to be uh, Daniel Jones. So that's going to be um, an interesting little change where the Giants can kind of maybe make some different plays, play calls and, and things that they weren't doing for Daniel Jones. I am going with a Philadelphia Eagles 24 New York Giants 21 win. Let me go ahead and jot that down here. 24-21. Calling for it. So you are calling, I mean, you are calling for a tight game. Over-under on this one, just so everybody knows, is at, is at a 45 right now. So you are, you're going right in there at the, at, at the line. You're trying to feather it here. You're, you're trying to call for a, a fan base to be excited towards you because you're saying it's going to be close, but the Giants are still going to lose. I do think, listen, nine and a half I think is a big number. Again, for all the reasons you point to, Philadelphia has not been that strong of a team. Um, and the Giants have at least had the, shown the ability at times to play some teams close. And unlike, let's say, the Green Bay game, where it was Jones throwing some late interceptions, trying to get back into it. But, you know, a team like Green Bay, you expected them to kind of pull away at the back end of it, um, whereas I don't know maybe if the Eagles have that ability. I am very curious to see how Eli Manning plays in this one. Uh, I, I don't I, – I think unlike that Dallas game, like you mentioned, losing to Chicago, I think that's Chicago, though, a team that has been getting right these last handful of weeks. They're a team – uh, you know, the defenses have been playing well and then surging over the last handful of games. Mitchell Trubisky has been playing really well for them in these last handful of games. So Dallas losing that game, while it is still a disappointing loss for them, I don't think it's the same way that you can look at saying you're a mediocre Dallas team, you lost to a mediocre Bears team. That, that, that's still a respectable team in the Bears. Uh, for the Eagles, it's a mediocre Eagles team taking on a subpar bottom of the barrel second pick overall in the NFL draft New York football giants with a backup veteran quarterback that they didn't believe could you know lead this team this season certainly so um I'm gonna go in this one man I'm gonna put this at 20 I'll say 27 to 14 Philadelphia Eagles so you are thinking it's going to be a relatively you know tough game for the Giants you think it's going to be a two-score win well, listen, you go back into these numbers, man. How many times have the Giants gotten up, you know, gotten up over 14, 14 17 points in a game? It doesn't matter who the competition is. They haven't been able to show that they can do that. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say, and, and I'm, not, I'm not hedging my bets here or anything, one of the things they, they talked about over the course of this season is how Saquon Barkley has lost uh, a lot of those dump-off passes that Eli Manning was known to give him. Uh, you know, last season, certainly, where he was able to run in some space. Daniel Jones looking to get downfield a lot more with the football, certainly. You're going to probably see more of that in this one than you have. So that can be a way that the Giants uh, try to control the you know, time of possession early in this one and look to get some sustained drives and maybe get Saquon Barkley going, not just through that run game. What you have always talked about, getting him going through the passing game, something that they haven't necessarily done that strong of a job to this point this year. So there are some dynamics at play here in terms of what Eli Manning's skill set dictates for how this offense approaches it that could make this a closer game further into the third and fourth quarters than, uh, than maybe you would initially think. But, uh, again, ultimately, I think this is a desperate Phillies team that, ne that needs this win. 
and I think they'll, they'll at least get the job done here this week. Whether or not they have letdowns down the road, that's for you know that's for the future to decide. But for me, I look at it as the Giants are just a bad team this year. And I, I you know I, I I came to this reality a handful of weeks ago. There's there's never been a game so far this season. I mean, I'd have to go back in the numbers, man. How many weeks have have the has the spread been covered when it's a team taking on the New York Football Giants, right? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, uh, you know, I think it was three out of the last four uh, teams have covered. I know that the Bears did not cover. Right. Uh, the spread was six, and, and we lost 19 to 14 by five. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's – the last few games, it, it has not been as competitive in the fourth quarter, and I could see that happening uh, in this game. And uh, while we both are, are singing doom and gloom, I think it may be a good idea for us to turn over to uh, maybe some of the other games that are coming up today, uh, Sunday NFL football. I don't know, Adam. Yeah. Do you want to you want to put a, a friendly wager on on something like uh, our pick of the day or, or any particular games that that you uh, wanted to get some insight on? Yeah, let's go through. I think what we'll do here is, uh, well, yeah, friendly wager. Uh, I'll buy a pack of diapers for your baby, and uh, you can buy me a six pack of cider of my choice because that's where our lifestyles are at right now, Andy. You have different <laughs> priorities than I do, and I don't need to wrap myself. Well, maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe some adult diapers. Who knows? But let's go through and pick out. Um, We'll each – why don't we do it this way? We'll each pick uh, – we'll do three okay. games. To, yeah, three uh, games. I like that. Yeah. Three games. Yeah. We'll do three games. We'll do three games here, and we'll just see where we go. So, I'll, uh, why don't you go ahead and pick the first game that you want us to go ahead and pick? Okay. Um, I am going to say the Washington Redskins-Green Bay Packers game. Okay. That's a, uh, that is a plus 13.5 line for the Washington Redskins over under at 42. Go ahead, sir. Who, who do you want? You want, And we'll, we, we can include the point spreads in this. You, you want to take Washington and the points. Where do you want to go? I want to take Green Bay laying 13 and a half at home. I think uh, going to Lambeau Field in December is never an easy, easy time to, to play for any team, never mind a rookie QB. Uh, Green Bay is looking to, to really try to get that first round by. So, uh, and, and they got to keep winning with the way that the Saints and the 49ers are playing. So, Give me the Green Bay Packers in a route. Okay. I like that one, man. That's all right. So I'll, put, I'll put you down. I'll put you down for a Green Bay. I'm going to look over across here. I see the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Browns, getting seven in that matchup. Guess what, man? Andy Dalton's back. He's got a, he had a point to prove last week. He's not going to be the quarterback in Cincinnati next year, more than likely. So he, he's trying to uh, keep his resume crisp. I'll, uh, I'll take those Cincinnati Bengals getting that plus seven right there. It's funny that you say that because I am in 100% agreement with you on that. I was talking to some friends uh, before, and w after the first couple of games of the season, I tried to convince them and make a pact that the two teams that you should not bet any money on under any circumstance are one, the Atlanta Falcons, and two, the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, the Cleveland might be the most disappointing team, and every time you think that they've got it together or they're going to get a big win, they just falter. So, yes, Andy Dalton is showcasing. I, I love that pick, Adam. Fantastic. Well, well good for me then. We'll leave for me then, sir. Okay. And then, so we've taken, we've each taken one game there. Now we'll do one head to head and we'll, we can just call this, we want to just call this one straight up. I mean, we'll have to kind of go coin flip for who gets to make their first call. What other game do you think, what's one of those even looking games that you think could go either way? I think we should talk about the New England Patriots versus Kansas City Chiefs game. Oh, that's a nice one. Okay. So the, the line is uh, New England minus three. The over-under is 49. Um, but it, it's a matchup of two re really good teams, two teams that 
have Super Bowl aspirations. I think it's going to be the 4:30 game that everyone is tuning into and watching. So, Adam, talk talk to me. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know what's interesting? Uh, some people have been knocking Tom Brady, saying that you're you're watching his decline right now. I'm I'm in the uh, the stance of it's just been the total lack of wide receiver function this year. They put a lot of their efforts into the defensive side of the ball, I think, and that's what's going to carry the day for them this season. And you can easily see Tom Brady turn right back around next year, or even you know in the playoffs this season. But you're going to see him get right back into his passing form. I think this is just uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots saying, yeah, we're going to win on the defensive side, so you don't need to do as much as the heavy lifting. And with that, I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to come out and make a little bit of a statement here when it comes to what you can expect going into this playoff run. Everyone's been, we've all been talking about the Baltimore Ravens and it looks like they're surging towards an AFC championship possible Super Bowl run here. I think this is a chance now with Mahomes getting healthier and healthier coming back off the injury to uh, assert himself a little bit. The only curiosity I do have, though, is what the weather conditions are going to be like uh, because you are talking about going to New England. Nevertheless, I'm in the camp of, of taking the Kansas City Chiefs in this one, and I feel like this is where we'll divide. I think I feel like you would be a New England Patriots on this one. Am I am I correct? Well, you know, when I first looked at that, I immediately screamed, "Give me the points!" But I don't know. I've never seen a smart better ever take a road team in Foxborough. I know Brady's the quarterback, so. Yep. All right, well, you know what? If you're going to take Kansas City, give me New England, and, and that's the one where we can you know, hang our hat at 4.30 today. And knowing the Giants play on Monday Night Football, we can kick back, put your feet up, grab, grab a, you know, put back on that ugly sweater, grab, grab a hard cider, and, and have yourself a day today. That's right, man. This is another one of those scenarios where if the Giants aren't playing, it means they can't lose. So, you know, a, a relaxed football Sunday. I've got a little European football on the TV screen behind me as we record this episode. So this is Lazy Sunday, friends. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, this has been a nice little episode where we get to expand some of our looks. Hopefully you enjoy some of these hot picks that Andy and I are coming at you with. Uh, feel free to put some money down on it, and then don't call me if it doesn't pan out. I have been Adam Marbrecht. That has been Andy Makowitz reminding you to head over to the social media platforms of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at One Giant Podcast. Also, check us out on iTunes. Download, rate, review. Get those auto downloads going in the background so you don't miss any of our episodes. That's it, my friend. Uh, you don't even need to give your sign off here, do you? Well, I, I do because this is a special one. I would say you can't spell elite without Eli. Let's go big blue. Wow. Wow. This has been one giant podcast.